welcome to another in our series, uh, which we have titled Defeating the Dark Side. Defeating the Dark Side. And um, today, um, our topic is sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Now, we've, we've covered some pretty heavy topics so far. You know, uh, for those who've been around, you remember we started with Forbidden Fruit, where we looked at Genesis chapter 3 and that whole thing about temptation and, and how uh, the evil one operates in that, that realm. The armor of God, we looked at that and we, as we dug into Ephesians 6 and we looked about how we can defend ourselves when under spiritual attack. Um, the third week, we looked at Satan's downfall. Any general in an, you know, in an army will say, you know, you've, you've, you've got to know your enemy if you're going to have victory. And so we looked at who Satan is, what he does, and so on. And uh, last week, we looked at two good things about hell. So we've been discovering, you know, digging into some pretty challenging, confronting topics. Uh, today, we're looking at sowing and reaping, and this will be a little bit more lighthearted. Let's mix it up a little bit. Um, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation when you've experienced a little bit of uh, a financial hiccup. I don't mean you put a ton of money into a business and it fell over and you lost a fortune, but I mean just a little thing, you know, annoying, just a little thing. Uh, some of the prayer team prayed for my next door, my old next door neighbour, Andy, recently, because uh, he's got some serious cancer stuff that he's dealing with and uh, his wife and he are very grateful for our prayer teams um, responding to that. Um, years ago, when he was regularly working as a carpet layer, um, he'd often come home with his muscles feeling pretty sore. And so he decided he would go and buy one of those massaging chairs. You know, the ones that you see them in the shopping centres, you whack in your $2 and it massages you for a couple of minutes. Um, he thought he'd buy one of those. They were pretty expensive at the time, uh, around about $2,400 was about what they, the standard price was for them. He managed to shop around and he, f he found a company that did them for about 700 He thought, well, that's for me. So he got himself a massaging chair. And uh, Pammy and I both came, came over next door, tried it out, very good. <laughs> However, although he had only paid about a third of the price, he was expecting the full quality. But about one or two months later, it was no longer massaging him. It was wounding him. It was malfunctioning. <laughs> and, and so he went back to the company and he's, he's trying to sort things out through phone calls, emails, any way he could contact them. They were pretty much ignoring them. It got to the point one day I was over at his house and he said, ah, oh, you know, I don't know, it's just one of those financial hiccups, you know, I've just wasted 700 bucks, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get my money back, he says to me. You've probably had moments like that too, <laughs> most, most of us have. Um, let me tell you a little story about a, a chap who uh, had a financial hiccup and turned it right around. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about an Aussie businessman uh, who went off to Mexico. Nothing wrong with the business, that went well. However, whilst he was over in Mexico, he thought, I want to do something really Mexican. The place where he was renting had a vacant block next door. And so he thought, you know, I'd love to have a classic Mexican donkey. You know, almost like a pet. You know, I'd like a pet donkey. And so he shops around. He gets one of these. Little fellow like that. Very cute. Anyway, um, so he, he uh, pays 500 pesos, gets a donkey off the local farmer, and included in the cost is the delivery. So uh, a, a date was agreed when the donkey would be delivered. However, on the day of that date, um, he gets a phone call. And so it's the Mexican farmer on the phone. And off he goes. Uh, senor, senor, uh, I have bad news for you. I'm driving my truck to deliver your donkey. And I have an accident. And your donkey donkey's head. Your donkey's dead. 
And Aussie businessman didn't care too much. So it's all right, mate. Just give me uh, 500 pesos back and we're all good. So, senora, I have another problem. I've already spent it. I don't know what I have 500 pesos again. That's a lot of money. And so they debate backwards and forwards. And eventually the Aussie business thing says, oh, I'm not going to get the money out of this guy. So I said, you know, tell you what, mate. Just deliver it anyway. I'll think of something to make my money back. I don't know. I'll auction it off or something. <laughs> Senor, how you auction off a dead donkey? Don't you worry about that. You just deliver it. So, about a month later, the, um, the, the, the Aussie businessman's in the big marquido, um, doing a bit of shopping, and the, the Mexican farmer's there too, and he spots him, and he calls out to him, Ah, oh, senor, 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 senor. Ah, good to see you. How you go with that dead donkey? You auction it off, he says. And the Aussie businessman says to him, well, actually, I did all right, mate. I did all right. I, I sold raffle tickets. Five pesos a ticket. And I sold a 1,000 pesos worth of tickets. <laughs> Senor, did not the people complain? Well, just one. Just one. And the winner, I just gave him back his five pesos. Sometimes an entrepreneur can have a financial hiccup and turn things right around, <laughs> make money out of it. <laughs> Let me suggest this. You don't have to be an entrepreneur during financial hiccups if you're a sower in God's kingdom. Let me say that again. You don't have to be a financial entrepreneur during financial hiccups if you're a sower in God's kingdom. Topic today, as I said, sowing and reaping. My first point is this. What you sow is what you reap. Number one, what you sow is what you reap. And we know that phrase. We, we hear it, don't we, in movies sometimes, that sort of thing. It's right there. It's, uh, there's a lot of scripture, actually, in the culture of Europe and America and Australia. It's right there in the culture. Well, it comes from this scripture, amongst others. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, when you read the passage in context, you realize it's not talking about farms, it's talking about finance. Now, Paul here is addressing the Corinthian church, encouraging them to be generous of their financial resources into God's kingdom. And if they sow generously, he's saying to them, you will also reap generously. You know, I remember a, a time when I was uh, working for uh, Crossway Baptist um, and uh, we had a, um, we had one of those moments, we got home uh, on a Sunday, very, about this time of year, but it was a scorching hot day and I remember going to the fridge, opened the fridge door and the, the whole flipping door just fell off, just <laughs> down it went, you know, and I'm thinking, oh goodness, and so I'm trying to get the sucker back on, you know, but the, the casing underneath where you open it was all, all broken and thought, oh, I'm not going to get this thing back on. And, um, you know, and it was about seven years old, really wasn't, you know, going to be cost effective to fix it. And I thought, oh, man, we're going to have to buy another fridge. All right, we haven't got money for another fridge. And your fridge is one of those things you've got to get straight away, isn't it? Anyway, um, back at Crossway that Sunday night, actually, Will Graham was speaking. You know Will Graham? You ever heard him? He's Billy Graham's grandson. Great message, great preacher, very like granddad, actually. Fantastic preacher. And, um, and you know, he, he's got, uh, he's really got the southerner accent, you know, the American southerner accent. He's chatting away to us and he's saying, you know, uh, 
I, I, I watch my, my granddad's sermons, you know, and, uh, you know, it's so funny because uh, he, he's been overdubbed in just about every language you can imagine, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm watching, watching granddad, he's speaking fluent Cantonese or he's speaking fluent Mandarin, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is the closest granddad's ever going to get to speaking in tongues, and... <laughs> <laughs> so he was quite funny, but great evangelist. And a bunch of people gave their lives to Christ that night. Well, that night, my wife went into my office at Crossway and just checked my emails. And she had won a $2,000 voucher from the Fountain Gate Shopping Centre. And uh, she, she remembered she was pestered by a lady to uh, go into a competition. didn't cost anything. Go into a competition. She didn't really want to because, you know, she, you'd get a heap of emails trying to sell her stuff, you know. She didn't really, but she got talked into it. The lady was really nice. Well, she won. 2000 bucks. And so the next day, we uh, went and picked up our, our voucher, went to the shops and bought our fridge. Uh, but I've always remembered it because it was one of those moments when the situation happened that day. We thought, we haven't got any dough for a fridge. And that very day, God stepped in and provided now, many of you will have stories just like that. And it fits this, this idea, you, what you sow is what you reap. The next uh, point I'm going to make is this. Number two, the quality you sow is the quality you reap. The quality you sow is the quality you reap. It says in uh, Malachi 1.8, When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Just explain the sacrificial system of the time. So part of the worship of Israel was that they would purchase or a farmer would give one of his perfect lambs without blemish as an offering into the temple. And in the journey of doing that, that was, that was an act of worship. But of course, it, it cost them something financially, um, set them back some dough. But it was part of their system. Now, the idea was, the scriptures taught that you're supposed to give a perfect lamb without blemish. And what was going on is uh, some of the farmers were like, oh, well, God can have that one. It's lame. It's probably going to fall in a ditch and die anyway. He can have that one. And people purchasing the lambs were saying, well, I just want a cheap one. That one's blind, is it? Oh, I'll buy the blind one so I can get that cheap. And this angered the Lord because rather than people giving of their best giving a suitable offering an appropriate offering a quality offering they were giving something that was dodgy um, I remember um, Phil Pringle in uh, one of his books uh, so he started um, what was originally the Christian City Church movement now is a C3 movement uh, came over from New Zealand planted a church in the northern beaches Took a bit to get it going, but once it did get going, it really took off mega church these days and planted many other churches. Well, Phil says in one of his books, he talks about being a new believer and he's a, you know, a young guy, a young hippie, he called himself. And so he didn't grow up in a church background. And um, anyway, he, he gets radically saved. And as a new believer, he felt the Lord talk to him one day about a quality offering. And he's thinking to himself, he didn't have much money. He, he'd studied fine arts at uh, university and as you can imagine he, he's actually very good at painting but selling paintings is not easy <laughs> he didn't have any dough <laughs> and, uh, and so he's saying the lord's putting on my heart to give a quality offering he said the only quality thing i had was an expensive guitar i did have an expensive guitar he ended up giving it away into god's work and thinking i want to give a quality offering to the lord 
He goes on to say, it's been interesting how God has blessed that act. He said, over the years, I have been given several very expensive guitars. But not only that, um, you know, uh, one of those expensive guitars I got given, I started writing songs on it. And in the 80s and 90s, Phil Pringle's choruses were being sung all over the world. I can still remember um, going to Mexico on a short-term mission. And uh, whilst I was there, um, most, of the, most of the songs in the various churches are homegrown. I didn't know any of them. Um, except if it was a, like a Presbyterian or church, church or something, they'd be singing hymns. I'd know the old hymns, different language, of course, but you'd recognise them. However, there was just one chorus, British, Australian or American, there was just one chorus I recognised the whole time I was there. It was one of Phil Pringle's songs. It was this one. Remember this? Fear not, for I am with you, fear not. For I am with you, fear not. For I am with you, says the Lord. Why don't we try that together? Do the three claps and the whole thing? Let's do it. Fear not, for I am with you, fear not. For I am with you, fear not. For I am with you, says the Lord. Yeah, one of, one of Phil's songs. I was, I was, I was kind of a bit stoked that it was an Aussie song. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, Phil's got some great books, actually. This is one I've got today. Keys to Financial Excellence. I have one to give away. Would anyone like it? Just have to put up your hand. I have only one to give away. I have, I'll, I'll wander down the back here. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at the next point. Number three, the measure you sow is the measure you reap. The measure you sow is the measure you reap. Let's have a look here at Jesus' own words. He says this, 638. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The concept is, Jesus is saying, if you give generous amounts of your resources to God, he will give generous amounts of his resources to you. Now, these sort of promises are all through Scripture. Um, but it's not just about the size of the offering. It's about, I would suggest, more the percentage. You know, it's one thing for a wealthy person to give a lot of dough. It's another thing for someone who doesn't have a lot of dough to give a lot. You know, it's a very different thing, isn't it? You think of that time where there's the widow. You know, there's, uh, there's people offering at the temple. And some of them are giving quite substantial offerings. And then Jesus points out, it's Luke 21, the first few verses. He points out the widow. And she gives just a couple of coins. But Jesus says, many of these people have given what they can spare of their riches. But this widow, poor as she is, has given all the living she had. Why did he draw attention to her? Not because of the amount, but because of the percentage. She actually gave everything. That's all she had to live on. That's all the dough she had. She gave it all off. Number four, the harvest may take time. The harvest may take time. Have a look at this here, James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Of course, our analogy here is, is a farming analogy, as we're doing through this, this particular message. And we think of a farmer for a moment. A farmer, when he plants the crop, it's not immediate. 
it takes time. He's got to be patient. Depends on the type of crop. It could be three months, could be six months. Some, some crops are longer than that. He has to be patient. And Jesus, through this sowing and reaping analogy, or the Apostle Paul included through this sowing and, neat, uh, and reaping analogy, they are, they are emphasizing this concept. Now, let me tell you a, a story about pumpkin seeds. Yeah, seriously. Have a look at some pumpkin seeds there. Just got a picture in your head. Sacks of pumpkin seeds, okay? So um, I heard this from a Misho. Uh, he was saying that they were reaching out to an African tribe. They were pretty much hunters and collectors, so they didn't do agriculture. And, uh, but they were living in an area that was reasonably fertile, and there was water, you know. And um, the Mishos said, well, look, we can teach you how to plant a crop. And, uh, but they wanted to give not just hand out, they wanted to give a hand up. So they said to them, could you save up some money to buy a heap of pumpkin seeds and we'll show you how to plant them. So they did, planted a huge crop of pumpkin seeds. Anyway, about a week later, having planted these seeds, um, you, I know you've, you're going to find this hard to believe, but about a week later, that little African community was hungry. So they dug up all the seeds, washed them, packed them together in little cakes and baked them and ate them. And as the Mishos tried to explain to them, guys, you, you got one meal out of this. If you'd have let this crop grow, um, you'd have harvested many, many meals, lots of food. But they just really struggled to get it into their head because they're not used to agriculture. You know, um, can I suggest Christians, the average Western Christian, can't get it into their heads that if they are just patient, sowing into God's kingdom, it will in time pay off. The Lord will bless you in time, but you do have to be patient. Um, you know, God is into developing faith. And the problem is if you think, well, I, I gave a generous offering into God's work, but I haven't received anything back, well, I'm not doing that again. Well, there's no faith. If we just expect an immediate return from the Lord whenever we sow into his kingdom financially, we expect immediate return, well, where would the faith be? And we know that Christianity is so built on the reality of faith. Derek Prince, who I'm reading quite a bit of at the moment because he's probably one of the best authors when it comes to this whole topic of spiritual warfare. Um, one of the things this uh, British preacher says is that... Um, there may be a season that God allows financial struggles in your life uh, to help you put Jesus first. But he said, if it's of Jesus, it won't be long term. Might be a year, might be 18 months, but it's not going to be long term. If you find year after year after year you're struggling financially, he would say there is a spirit of poverty that is afflicting you. And that can be broken. Uh, someone I've encouraged you to have a, a bit of a listen to is um, John Ramirez. Let's have a look at a pic of the guy here. Take a pic of that if you like. You only need his name. You do a search of him and he's got some very interesting sermons when it talks about spiritual warfare. This guy was an ex-Satanist general. But let me tell you about something he did. He shares in a couple of his sermons. One of the things that apparently, I always thought I was a bit sceptical about this stuff when I was a younger Christian, but I've just read so much about it and also talked with people that I do think this is very genuine. He said one of the things that he could do, he had to make a contract with a demon, but he was able to astral travel. What does that mean? His spirit was able to leave his body. And one of the things he talks about, he would go around spirit traveling through the atmosphere, 
and he would curse Christians, he would curse neighbourhoods. But one of the interesting things he says, he only mentions about five things he'd curse them with. One of them was the spirit of poverty. He would curse people and communities with the spirit of poverty. I just find that very interesting. You know, friends, be faithful and patient in sowing and you will reap a harvest. But let's be also mindful we could be under spiritual attack. Let's break any spirit of poverty over our lives. We're going to be talking about breaking curses in the future. Number five, God gives resource to the sower. Number five, God gives resource to the sower. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 11, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Wow. You know, there's, there's a lot in that passage. You notice, first of all, he, he talks about it, he who supplies seed to the sower. Who is that? That's God. God is ultimately the one who gives us provision in the first place. I know many people will just think, well, I earned that money. It's mine. It's not actually how God looks at it. He looks at the resources of this planet and he says, it's all his. You guys are stewards of the resources I provide for you. You'll notice that the passage goes on and it says, a harvest of what? Righteousness. A harvest of righteousness. He's clearly not talking about literal farms and seeds. He's talking about spiritual things, the reality of the world. A harvest of righteousness. That's what you reap as you sow into God's kingdom. But it also goes on to say, you'll be made rich in every way. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? You'll be made rich in every way. That doesn't even sound spiritual, does it? I mean, why would God want to make people rich? Well, the passage goes on to say, you'll be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. The, why, the reason why God often blesses people with financial resource is so it can be utilized in the kingdom of God. You know, I realize that many people just think, well, Lee, look, mate, I, I would love to give my resources into God's work. You know, I, I love to be like, I know some people talk about being tithers and they give 10% of their income into God's work. I'd love it, mate. I'd love it. But I just can't afford it, mate. I don't have the dough. I mean, I, I frankly, um, you know, I can't make ends meet as it is. And why people think that way is because they immediately think of giving into God's kingdom is just another expense. But actually, and you've heard it already through some of these scriptures, God talks about it as an investment. You get that thing? It's an investment. Now, what do I mean? Well, any of you have bought a new car? I've only bought one brand new car in my life. Now, I know a new car... You're going to drive that off, and within five years, it's worth half what you paid for it. You know, it depreciates quite rapidly. That's not an investment, is it? It's an expenditure. But some of you have had the money to buy a house. Very different. You buy a house within 10, 12 years, if it's in Melbourne, it'll be worth approximately 100% more than what you paid for it. It's an investment. What God is trying to say through his scriptures is you give, you sow into my kingdom, so of your resources in my kingdom, if you're patient, you will find that it is ultimately an investment because you will be blessed. There will be a return. 
spiritual return, but even a practical, physical, even financial return. He promises that. And I realise here at this gathering today, there will be some of you, you've been tithing into this church for years, giving 10% of your income into this local church. And you've been very generous and you've consistently done that for many, many years. Um, But there will be others here in this gathering, you don't give anything at all into God's work or give very, very little. I guess the challenge for us is when, when we become a Christian, or we might have grown up in the Christian church and feel that we've always been one. When you become a Christian, you tend to open the door of your life to God. And as if, if, your, if your life was a house, you open the door and invite him into certain rooms. He can come in the lounge room, he can come in the kitchen, he can come in this living area. I'm not going to invite him in all the rooms of my house, my heart. But actually, of course, if he's really Lord, he has leadership and governance over every area of your life. As um, a new believer, I remember this phrase, you'll remember this one. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Because if he's not Lord of every department of your life, then of course you're still picking and choosing where God can have leadership. And of course that includes even things like finances. Are we willing to follow the teachings of Scripture or the principles of Scripture in regards to our resources, our finances? Or is that one of the areas we say, that's, God's not touching that, thank you very much. I've heard someone say the hardest thing to convert in the Aussie culture, the last thing to get converted in the Aussie culture is the human's wallet. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a story. This is about an, an Aussie businessman again. Um, he got his business going here in Australia. And uh, this fella, uh, he discovered he could not outgive God. So um, he did his research. And uh, having done his research, um, he decided he would start his own business. Now, I'll tell you what, starting your own business, not straightforward, is it? Uh, what, what's the percentage? 75 pe- 75% of people who start their own businesses, they fall over. can't drink to that sounds terrible that was not the case for this guy first year of his business he um it was tough but he made a covenant before god he said lord whatever i pay myself the first 10 percent goes to you i'm gonna give it to my local church and um off he went he said it was really tough because he made very little that year really living on a shoestring very very difficult the next year, the business exploded. He had to start employing people. You know, and he said that year was equally hard because I was paying myself so much, I was giving an awful lot away. His third year, it, it grew further. He hit his fourth year and he said this, you know what? God's blessed me so much, I'm not going to give just 10%, I'm going to give 20%. He did. The next year, he gave 30%. The year after that, he gave 40%. The next year, he gave 50%, literally. By this time, he's paying himself half a million dollars and he's giving 250000 to his local church. So, business doing seriously well. Now, as you can imagine, he worked pretty hard and he used to like a decent holiday. So, whenever he had a holiday, he'd do something pretty cool. So, um, he knew a friend who uh, flew planes. And so, he decided he wanted to visit some pretty cool tropical islands off the coast of Australia. So, they flew out of Sydney and uh, off they went. Anyway, in this particular flight, they encountered um, a pretty nasty storm. And the plane's experiencing all of this turbulence. It's going all over the shop. Pilot's getting very stressed. He said, 
the, the storm is, is powerful enough to, to wreck the plane. We're going to have to land. We've got to get out of it. Just keep your eye out. Be looking down. See where you can see a beach or something. You know, I'll, I'll try and land the plane on one of the beaches in these, these islands. So I could barely see. It was, it was daytime, but it was so dark because of the storm. You just trying to see the beaches and the flashes of lightning. Anyway, um, they spotted one. And the pilot endeavoured to try and get the plane down there. And uh, he's kind of, he's getting below the storm and he's kind of virtually skimming across the waves. And then all of a sudden there's this massive wave, smashes against the plane, breaks one of the wings. Whew, scary stuff. Anyway, they grabbed a survival kit out of the plane and they were close enough, they were able to swim ashore. Exhausted, laying out on the beach in the rain, but they were okay. About an hour and a half later, the sun came out. Very pleasant place. And uh, the pilot, you know, trying to think, oh, God, we've got to do something about this. So he's, he's got his mobile phone out. He's trying to get some reception. He's getting very frustrated. Man, I've got nothing, nothing, nothing at all, nothing. Well, why would I have? We're in the middle of flipping nowhere. You know, and the young businessman says, don't worry. I earn half a million a year. Well, your money's no use here, mate. About an hour later, the pilot says, you know, one of the things we could do, we can try and get some smoke into the sky. You know, we'll get noticed. So anyway, they start chopping down these bits and pieces of vegetation and uh, piling all palm leaves and that sort of stuff, piling it all up, and they, ha they had a lighter in the kit, um, and uh, they, they're trying to get this thing going. And as they're trying to get it going, it's not lighting. The pilot's like, oh, this is so frustrating. Everything is soaked because of the storm. We can't, we, how are we going, we, what are we going to do? And the young businessman says again, don't worry, I earn half a million a year. Stop saying that. About another hour later, it's really hot now. The pilot says, you know, um, we've, got to, we've got to keep our fluid levels up. I don't reckon there's like a, a stream or anything in this island. It's pretty small. And so anyway, they, they find some coconuts. And they manage to get up this tree and get the, knock these coconuts down. And there's a knife in the survival kit. The pilot here, he's stabbing it away. Stab, stab, stab. And then, twang, the blade breaks. And he, oh, no, now I've broken the blade. What are we going to do? Don't worry. I earn half a million a year. Why do you keep saying that? Well, you haven't let me finish my sentence. Don't worry. I earn half a million a year. I give half of it to my local church. Don't worry. My pastor will find me. <laughs> uh, let's have a recap here of what we've learned so far today. What you sow is what you reap. The quality you sow is the quality you reap. The measure you sow is the measure you reap. The harvest may take time. God gives resource to the sower. And finally, follow God's example of sowing. I'm going to finish with this point. Number six, follow God's example of sowing. It says in John 12, 24, Jesus' words, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, what's Jesus talking about there? Well, he, he's really referring to his own death, that ultimately he will die on a cross. And he was buried, if you will, like a seed in the tomb for three days. But when he rose to newness of life, that harvest, that one person, that one son of God, that one person has produced this mighty harvest where there are thousands of millions of people that would claim to be his followers. 
But we, we too, like Jesus, we need to actually die to ourselves so of our lives that we might reap a harvest. Let me read the passage as a whole. John 12, 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The person who loves their life will lose it, while the person who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honour the one who serves me. There's a lot in that passage. One of his phrases there, which is a very striking one, he says, whoever loves their life will lose it. But the one who hates their life, he's being dramatic with his, his word use, whoever hates their life, they'll retain it for eternal life. What's he mean? He means the person who is disregarding of their own life and seeks first the kingdom of God, that's the person who will inherit eternal life. God's challenge to us is we need to die to ourselves. Like a seed, we need to die to ourselves but we will spring up in newness of life for God's kingdom. Sow your life into God's kingdom and reap a harvest. Let's keep church spontaneous. Why don't I pick someone to pray? Dave, come and pray for us to close our service. Let's pray together. Um, if I just quickly could just share... I love gardening and sowing and reaping um, very closely tied to gardening. You sow a seed and you reap a harvest. You've all heard that before. When Lee was sharing, there's two things that came to my mind and about um, you know, dying to self. Um, I remember sitting in church one time and I felt like an apple core that had been used, you know, just the, the core that was left that had been sitting out for several days that had gone all brown and feral. And it would be worthless in most people's eyes. And that's how I felt. And God said to me, you're like the apple core, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty useless. And he said, do you know how much life is in that apple core right now? Do you know how many seeds are in that apple core? You just need to be planted in my kingdom. And take, you'll take root and you'll grow and you'll thrive. The other thing that God showed me is um, I love, I've got plenty of fruit trees at home. I've got a small yard that somehow I managed to cram a lot of fruit trees in there. And God said to me when I was planting, I think it was the uh, kiwi fruit, uh, he said, you're only going to be able to harvest the fruit of the seeds and the plants that you plant in your garden. There are a lot of analogies that are in practical in gardening that are parallel with the kingdom um, God wants to bless us immensely and I just want to pray that his blessing will be upon you um, as you understand and seek wisdom in, in sowing and reaping and that we need to die to self to be alive to Christ and that we need to so to be able to receive so father i thank you for the word today 
I thank you for sowing and reaping. I thank you that we can sow into your kingdom and what, a, what an amazing place to invest into. Lord, and the, the things that come and return from that, you know, it might, we might sow and we might be sowing and sowing and feel like we're never seeing any return from that. But Lord, I know the pear tree, this, that, that I've got planted at home, after eight years, we're finally getting fruit from it. So sometimes it takes patience but just continue just to let that thing just grow in its place and not to rip it out because we want something else. But Father, I pray that people would have wisdom to know how to sow, to have patience for your kingdom to be established and to grow and then that fruit that will be rep, that they would reap, it will be an amazing fruit, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.